things are becoming new in your life. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases; His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. His faithfulness is new every morning. And if you've sat your life here and there, and you're struggling to find something new, then this morning approach the God of newness and trust Him to bring something new into your life. God is a specialist when it comes to newness. He said, remember not the former things, not the things of old. He said, I will do a new thing. A new thing. He loves newness. Say amen, somebody. Amen. God loves newness. And I want somebody to, I mean, this, this is the only message you get from this service this morning. Just go home with it. And trust God for newness. Trust God for something new. Watch out for something new. Watch out for something new. As we step into the ember months, from Monday, uh, people expect that things are winding down, right? And the Bible says when men say there's the casting down, we will say there's a lifting up. Uh, this year is ending for you on a very high note. Because of the new things that God is bringing into your life. Uh, say a bigger amen, somebody. One more time, let's celebrate the elevation praise of praise. It's made all things new. And for that, we're grateful. We're truly grateful. How have you been? I said, how have you been? Um, I know somebody saying, Pastor, you've been missing in action here. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, you know, we say that all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. And you don't want a dull pastor. All right. So, so I escaped with my family uh, for a brief holiday. And we're back refreshed and blessed. Praise God. And um, we're looking forward to many new things that God wants to do in our lives and in this congregation. And I trust God that you will be the first to share a testimony in Jesus' precious name. So ask your neighbor, how was August for you? Because August is winding down, but God is winding us up into greater things in Jesus' name. Um, I want to believe that um, you've had a great time in the month of August. The Word of God, you know, mounting up with wings in your life. The Oxygen series uh, came to an end on Wednesday. With the powerful teaching from um, Pastor David Montenegro. I was privileged to be in that service and, you know, just enjoy the teaching of the Word of God on how to study the Bible. If you were not here on Wednesday, I want to encourage that you get a copy of that message and listen. And all the series, of Oxygen series, which spanned about seven weeks, and all the devotionals and everything, keep tab of those things. Keep them close to you and review from time to time. Make sure that the Word of God, uh, you know, it takes its rightful place in your life. Praise God. I said praise God. All right. Now that all things are new, we're zooming into a new series. Praise God. And um, it's becoming traditional for us that every September, we start a series on relationship, uh, which we tag Mr. and Mrs. Better Half. I do that on Twitter also every Friday at 5 p.m. I have a relationship um, event that holds on Twitter. Uh, Mr. Miss Better Half every Friday. If you are on Twitter, you may want to uh, follow me. Uh, look for my Twitter handle is at PGMan. Uh, just, just check, just search for my name and, and follow. Uh, I'm bringing that into real life teaching, which I always do every September. And this September promises to be a really fantastic time. In God's presence, uh, we will cut across wherever you may be 
you know, in your walk with God and in your relationship with other people, will, will seek to find a place, a meeting point where all of us can connect and, and you know, revitalize the vital relationships in our lives and then from there, you know, start to, you know, scale up and, and do things better. And that's the whole objective of the Mr. and Mrs. Better Half series. Uh, so wherever you are, uh, um, this series promises to meet you somewhere and move your life forward. Say a better amen, somebody. You know, there's certain status now that you can't really, um, uh, really define. Uh, before, we, we used to think people can only be single, married, divorced, separated. But now we have all sorts. Yeah, there's a marriage of convenience. There's a flatmate. Uh, so that we can, uh, we can share the, the, the overhead very well. And, and still live at peace. So you have your room, I have my room. Uh, um, nobody, uh, you don't have a visa to cross the border. Just be good on your own, I'm good on my own, but outside there, everybody thinks that we're married. But I'm starting out this series this morning examining God's original intention for relationships. God's original intention for relationships. And I've titled this, Forever connected. Forever connected. I want you to help me look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor you are forever connected to God and other people around you. Or say it again. Say you are forever connected to God and to other people around you. So get better at it. Oh, no, no, you didn't have that one. Say it to them. Say get better at it. Praise God. So I've titled this one to uh, Forever Connected forever connected. And like I said, wherever you may be in your journey, married, single, separated, divorced, widowed, something um, will drop on you this season in the precious name of Jesus. So regardless of your face in relationship or your status, we need to come to terms with the fact that relationships are important. And by that, I don't mean just marriage relationship. Relationships are important. I want us to read from Genesis chapter 2, and I'll read from verse 15 down to 25. Um, it's a long reading, and I want you to follow me carefully. We need to establish certain facts or certain truths from the Word of God that we can walk by to revitalize our relationships at this time. Genesis chapter 2, and I'll read from verse number 15. Praise God. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And verse number 18, And the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helper comparable to him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the hair and, hair and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, 
that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the hair, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. I want you to underline that if you have a paper Bible, or anyhow you can highlight that verse 20. is very critical to our discussion this morning. The Bible says, for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. Somebody say a woman. Or say it again, say a woman. This is the first time you see the word woman in the Bible. Verse 22 of Genesis chapter 2. said he made into a woman. And he brought her to man. Verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. He said it also. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of me. Verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and... They shall become one flesh. Somebody say one flesh. Lastly, verse 25. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Lift your right hand with me this morning. Father, bless your word. Breathe upon it. Ignite our heart. Grant us understanding and revelation knowledge as we teach your word this morning and preach the word of truth. Let the heart of men be open. Let understanding done on our heart. Grant us the grace to walk in wisdom and to do certain things differently to the end that we may live a life that will please you. Lord, breathe upon every relationship under the influence of this service. Let there be a revitalization. Let there be a restoration. Do that which is your original intention in Jesus' precious name. I say it better. Amen. Amen. So, Genesis chapter 2, and by the way, when you, whenever you get into the book of Genesis, um, it means that you're trying to know God's original intention. The book of the beginning always spells out God's original intent, what he had in mind. So, examining Genesis chapter 2, the overriding theme of Genesis chapter 2 is this. Man is not created for isolation, but for connection. That's the overriding theme of Genesis chapter 2. Man is not created for isolation, but for connection. Man is not created for isolation, but for connection. That's the overriding theme of Genesis chapter 2, where we just read. God's original intent is that you and I will get into meaningful relationships. And by that, I do not mean I'm not only talking about marriage. I'm talking about good and meaningful relationships. So regardless of your relationship phase or status, we are all created for relationships. We thrive in connection, not isolation. We thrive in connection, not isolation. We are created for relationships. We are created for relationships. God's original intent is that man should not be alone. Ladies and gentlemen, Adam did not approach God to say, God, 
I'm lonely. I don't have any companion. God looked at man. It was his idea. It was his intention that man will not be alone. That was his intention. That was God's original intent. And the idea of marriage or relationship or companionship came out of the heart of God. So for you to think that you can walk through life on your own, just doing your own stuff, not minding what anybody feels about it, and that you fulfill destiny and live a fulfilled life, uh, I can say it's, 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 it's a joke. Because God, the creator of man, knew that the man that he created can only survive and live a good life if the man will refuse to live alone. Somebody say after me this morning, say, I'm not alone. Say it again, say, I'm not alone. Say, I'm vitally connected with God and other human beings. We say it again, say, I'm vitally connected to God and other human beings. That's how we live a fulfilled life. A vital connection to God and other human beings. Our culture is, you know, marked with loneliness, with isolation, friendlessness, lack of intimacy, broken relationships, boredom, emptiness, depression, and a deep feeling of uselessness. That's what our culture is marked with, replete with all these things that you see here. Many people look good on the outside, but they feel a deep sense of loneliness. A deep sense of isolation, even in the midst of the crowd. A sense of boredom that gets people to do just any crazy thing that is available to be done. Strong depression. Emptiness. And the capital of a deep feeling of uselessness. Why? Because... The, 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 the real issue is this. It's when I'm vitally connected with other human beings that my life finds a meaning. A life without vital connections will continue to, you know, experience a sense, a deep sense of uselessness. Because you look for meaning for life and you won't be able to find it. You can't find it in your car. You can't find it in your house. You can't find it, you know, just with your fat salary, you know. It's in deep connection with other human beings. That's where we find meaning for our lives. Meaningful relationships. Meaningful relationships that can take us to the place that God has for us. So we must value all the connections that God will bring into our lives. We must value them deeply. We have said that the ultimate connection, which is premised on the blood covenant, is marriage. But marriage is not an end in itself. But something will lead to marriage. And it's when we can undo that very well, all of our human connections well, that it will end up in a developed person who can even manage the epitome of human relationship, which is marriage, which is a covenant relationship. 
But we need to be able to start out somewhere. God's providential power is invested in divine connections. That's why the Bible says, for instance, that two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their labor. When I was talking about two being better than one, it wasn't only talking about marriage. I was talking about two business partners. I was talking about, you know, two people who can come together and do things well. I was talking about mergers and acquisition. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. I was talking about, you know, togetherness. I was talking about togetherness. God loves togetherness. God loves togetherness. God's original intention is that man will not be alone. And when God said it's not good for man to be alone, he only talked about a companion, a helper. He didn't even talk about a woman. He didn't say, I'll create a woman for him. It was in his wisdom that he ended up being, it ended up being a woman. So you can be in a face in your life. All God wants to do is to bring somebody of the same sex into your life that will help you to shape things up, you know, move your life forward. You need to be prepared with certain relationship skills that will make that work well and make you maximize the season of your life. Are you still with me this morning? I said, are you still with me this morning? God is always delighted in investing his power, his blessing into divine connections, partnerships, companionship. Because that's his original intention. That's his original intention. He loves companionships. He loves togetherness. God wants us to value that. God wants us to value that. Secondly, as I proceed, we also need to recognize the fact that the states of your most vital connections is a major, number one indicator of your spirituality. Because many people uh, think that you're spiritual when you can speak in tongues loud and fast and everybody is afraid. Or you prophesy and it comes to pass. Or you cast out demons and, you know, a demon is shaking people's body and they're screaming. That's when you're spiritual. That's what people think. The most spiritual person on earth is a person who's able to manage human relationships positively to fulfill God's purpose. Galatians chapter 2, chapter 5, verse 22, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit. So we could talk about spirituality. The fruit of the Spirit. Say, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there's no law. That's the fruit of that spirit that we're talking about, which connotes how spiritual I am. Look at all the things that, that is written in the Bible about the fruit of the spirit. Each and every one of them has something to do with human relationship. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. If you're all on your own, who will you be kind to? I hope you're still with me this morning. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You can't be a cantankerous person and be speaking in tongues at work and think you're spiritual. No, you are not. In fact, you are not a good Christian. Let me just tell you to your face. I'm your pastor. I need to tell you the truth. And I'm gentle in this service. Last service, I dealt with them. And don't be deceived. I'm coming. 
So you are this person at work. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to come near because you make trouble a lot. You create, you throw tantrums at will. You create problems where there's no problem. And when everybody is seeing something in this direction, you are seeing in another direction. Nobody is in agreement with you. You can bring out an argument from anything, notwithstanding how small. You are not spiritual. Read my lips. You are carnal. You need to know God better. I don't care how many dead you have raised to life. The proof of spirituality is the strength of my vital connections and vital relationships. How positive they are. That's the proof of my spirituality. Because the fruit of the Spirit long-suffering helps you to forbear, forgive, walk in love, accommodate excesses, and connect with people for the sake of destiny and overlook stuff so that we can move forward and achieve God's original intention. Because God brings people into your life not by mistake, but by divine ordination. When you cannot maximize that because you feel, you know, you are all together lovely by yourself, you don't need anybody. You don't know how you walk your way out of God's original intention for your life and out of his will for your life. So I'm challenging everyone this morning, whatever your status may be, open up your heart in this series to gain skills that will help you to maximize the connections that God will bring into your life and to be the true believer that you should be. Jesus, when he was here, even the most cantankerous people, God gave him wisdom to handle them. They, 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 they sought to trap him. The Pharisees tried him. The Sadducees tried him. The priests, all of them tried him. But because he was positioned for the Spirit of God to rule and reign in his life, he looked like somebody who is a relationship genius. You know, because every question they asked him, he had an answer. He very calm. Is he, you know, he only dealt with them once in the temple when they were selling an odd, brought out his whip, whipped them to say that um, he's a lion and a lamb at the same time. He dealt with them. But you won't see a countercross Jesus. Even when, you know, they, 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 they sought to trap him and do everything, you know, it's just easy. I mean, if it was you, they came to Garden of Gethsemane, you saw them and you had power. And they came with sword. All you need is just to blow something. All of them will just. <laughs> Am I saying the truth? You had the power. Now just blow something. All of them will just fall down and sleep. And you just walk away. Because before then he was praying. I wasn't really ready. He was asking for grace. God, I know I have to go through this. But help me. And even when, you know, uh, Peter will cut somebody's hair, he still restored it back. He didn't say cut, cut. You just cut all of cut. Deal with them. Praise God. I said praise God. So God's original intention is that we manage our vital relationships very well. From the mundane to the very vital. From just people around you, neighbor, colleagues, 
to the person that you have a covenant with, of marriage with. Praise God. I said, praise God. God created Eve and brought him before Adam. And Adam was a man positioned for revelation. God never told Adam, I'm taking your rib out and I'm creating a woman. Just brought Adam, I mean Eve out and looked at Eve. He said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she has been taken out of me. There was a connection. God created animals, created everything. And see, let's see what Adam will call them. Let, let me sing, speak to single brothers right now. If it's when you want to marry, that's the only time you now start to pray and do night vigil for God to lead you. And you have not, you have not been somebody positioned for revelation before. The devil will speak to you. I'm telling you the truth. You, as a single guy, you need to position yourself for revelation. Live a life of revelation. Be a man that can touch the heart of God and gain revelation. Adam was in the garden. Everything was created. Everything perfect. He had a perfect connection with God. He could receive from God. God said, name all the animals. If Adam had seen Ipo and said, ah, babe. God would have said, babe, that's his name and that's his wife. That, that would be his wife. How do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That was, that was a bargain. The Bible says, God saw that man was alone and it was not good for him to be alone and he started by creating animals first. When he finished creating animals, he said, Adam, examine them to see if you'll find any one of them. Whatever name you call them, that will be their name. If you call one, babe, babe forever. <laughs> How do you sound what I'm saying? That was exactly what happened. And the Bible says, after Adam had finished you know, then God said there was none found that was com- uh, uh, do you, if they weren't finding, would they say there was none found comparable to him? Because this one that um, you come to church, you go to work, you go everywhere, you see babes and your eyes are still open. Praise God. We need to lay hands on some brothers, right? Feel free to send me an email. I will make an appointment to lay hands. Something has to happen. Praise God. But God said, not found. Adam did his job well. He was able to read into the mind of God by revelation. To know what was meant for him. It was all a test. And then God made Eve. And then Eve showed up. And Adam looked at Eve. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Created out of me. She shall be called woman. By revelation. And the word woman means female man or layman's language. Man with a womb. Because we are just simply the same. The difference is the womb. Am I saying the truth this morning? He was created to complement Adam and to fulfill a need in the life of Adam, which is companionship. And this whole relationship, perhaps we can say, as a main, the first, and maybe the only 
married, made in heaven. Purely, 100% made in heaven. Yeah. Because they were in a state that I love to describe as a state of innocence and purity. Eden itself, itself, where God created for them, Eden means a place of delight. And I decree over your home this morning, your home has become a place of delight. In the name of Jesus, whatever will make it short of delight, God is taking it away this season. Bible says God placed them in Eden, at Eden, a place of delight. And if you were here last November, Mr. Oda did a great job describing Eden to us when he taught during our enterprise development month. Great place. Everything that man needed was there, available. Everything. The one he had discovered, the one that was just there, dormant, even the crude oil that we're fighting on today was already there. Bible talks about all the rivers flowing through Eden. The first one they said, at the end of that river, it led to a villa, the place of gold. Gold was in Eden. All kinds of, you know, fruit trees, goodness, everywhere. Electricity was right there in Eden with rivers flowing. Everything that man needed was there. God's original intention is that there shall be no lack in your home. Say amen, somebody. That's the original intention. Everything, everything, a place of delight. The first man and first woman, woman, they lived in, literally, they lived in paradise. God met all of their needs. Their relationship was marked with purity and innocence. They did not have Mr. and Mrs. Jones next door to compare themselves with. They didn't see, you know, someone who's always wearing a new dress. So you put your husband under pressure. See the woman next door. Or see the man next door. Purity. Innocence. Everything was good. It was a relationship that was with utmost vulnerability. So the Bible says in, in verse 25 there of Genesis chapter 2, they were naked and not ashamed. They could talk about anything. Anything, I mean anything. Finance, sex, anything. They talk openly. Naked and not ashamed. Complete vulnerability. They were at peace with God. Because when a man or a woman is at peace with God, that's what qualifies the man or woman to be at peace with another human being. Somebody who is always running from pillar to post and is afraid cannot trust another human being very well. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Before sin came into the garden, there was no thought of fear. So they were at peace with God. They were at peace with themselves. They were at peace with each other. That to me sounds like a marriage made in heaven. Fulfilling God's original intent of companionship with peace, with divine provision, with balanced emotion. Adam, thinking about himself, the first of his kind, created in the image and likeness of God, skillfully roughed by God, he had nobody to compare himself with. Whether he was six packs or eight packs, he was just okay, celebrating himself. So there, there was no flash on TV 
that shows the man that's always been in the gym. Or, you know, or if I no, no none of these uh, models to compare ourselves with, all these people who don't eat. <laughs> Some of them, the last time they ate a good meal was last year. Just to keep a particular look. And God said, I've stiffly wrought you. Eve was herself. Adam didn't have anybody to compare her with. She wasn't comparing herself with anybody. There was just, there was innocence. There was purity. I don't know whether Adam had fought belly or not, but he woke up in the morning. Whether it's fought belly or anything, just, you know, he would just celebrate himself. It was just good. Balanced emotional states. They lived in perpetual paradise. This is God's original intention for man. And somebody may be asking the question this morning, is it possible uh, for me not to compare myself with anybody or compare my spouse with anybody? Is it possible, really? Whatever is God's original intent, it means that it's possible with man. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Whatever you see in Genesis is God's original intent and it's possible with man. Now, that beauty that we describe, that innocence and purity, that balance, emotional balance and everything, came to an abrupt end. And I want us, you know, as a start to wind up this morning, examine. I want us to examine why and how this honeymoon came to an abrupt end. Because what plagued them is still plaguing us till today. What ended the first honeymoon? Genesis chapter 3. And I'll read from verse 1. What ended the first honeymoon? The first, this honeymoon that we describe, this bliss that we describe, ended abruptly. And I need us to beware this morning as we start out this new series, Laying Foundations. I need us to beware of what can end God's original intent abruptly in our lives. In Genesis chapter 3, I read from verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, As God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said to the devil, or to, to the serpent. We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is the midst of the garden, God said, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. I presume that Adam added that one for her, so that she will be more afraid. Don't touch it. God didn't say don't touch it. He just said don't eat. But touching can lead to eating. So let's not even touch. So, and this was good until the devil started to distort distort line verse 4 then serpent the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die the devil is always in the business of distorting the word of god turning things around in our face said for god knows that in the day you eat of of it your eyes will be open and you will be like god knowing good and evil verse 6 so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that was a pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of it, of its fruit, and ate. I want us to, before I read further, check out the things that the Bible said happened to her here. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. In First John chapter two, when you read from verse fifteen, you see what the Bible talks about there. Can you can you put First John two fifteen up for me? First John two fifteen. Uh, it, it it talks about the three things that easily trip us up: the loss of the eye, the loss of the flesh, and the pride of life. Verse, verse, go, go to verse, verse 16 of that. The, 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 the loss of the high. Yeah. Said so sin that's in the world, the loss of the flesh, the loss of the high, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of this world. This was what happened to Eve here. This thing is desirable, it's good to the high. It's, you know, it will make one wise, the pride of life. Just wanting to know more than everybody and wiser and become like God. The devil baited Eve. And this is where we are. So she took the fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her. I'm reading verse number 6 of Genesis chapter 3. She also gave to her husband with her. And he ate. This presupposes that women will always have a higher power of influence over man. I'll, I'll come back to that. Always have a higher power of influence over man. And he is not asking questions. <laughs> Verse number seven. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Verse eight. And they had the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife eat themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. For the first time, they were hiding from God. And God knew something was wrong. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. This is the first time man will be afraid of anything. Don't forget he lived in the same garden with the beast, with lion, with tiger and everything and was never afraid. For the first time, man became afraid. You cannot run any relationship well if you have not developed the capacity to be emotionally whole. Every Wednesday of this month, I'll be teaching me and my emotions. I want you to be a part of that. Developing strong emotions. Uh, um, Adam, God knew this was not the man I created. This one that is cringing and running away. This one that is finding it difficult to trust. This one that is struggling with emotional stability and afraid. He said, I saw you and I was afraid. That was the first time you see the word fear or afraid or any such thing in the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, sin. Is what brings fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love. Until sin came into the world, man knew no fear. It was endless possibilities without fear, with balanced emotion, with blissful relationship. Now, what did the devil use? What, I know we call it sin, you know. They had the forbidden fruit and all that. But I need to open our eyes to something here as a roundup. When the devil came, all he 
played on is what we call in management 80-20 rule. And for the sake of this service, I'll turn it around a little bit because the 80-20, what we call Pareto principle, had many kind of applications. The 80-20, for this, for this purpose, I'll say that a lot of the time we have 80% and the 20% that we don't have is what puts us into trouble. Because we over-magnify the 20% above the 80%. Are you still with me this morning? In fact, in the case of Adam and Eve, it was more of 99.999% to 0.0001%. Because out of all the trees in the garden, God said, one, don't eat. That tree, ladies and gentlemen, happened to be the symbol of submission to the supremacy of God. It had nothing to do with uh, whether you be wiser or anything. God said, this is my portion. Don't touch it. But the devil always plays on our mind to think that what we don't have is more important than what we have. And it's ruining many people's ability to enter into the fullness of what God has in mind for them in their marital destiny. How does this play out for singles? I've had to cancel, you know, many singles in my uh, um, little life. And I've seen a lot of the time that we'll, we'll, we'll pay attention to what we're not supposed to pay attention to. So you see, you, you, somebody comes and says, Pastor, um, there's a guy that I wanted to pray about. So what should I pray about? Uh, you know, he's a great guy. He has a good job, you know, and all that. Um, I really think maybe God wants us, but he has an accent. So, so, you, so you have... Uh, the 80% you describe is this great guy. This, uh, he, he loves God. He has a good job. His parents are nice, but he has an accent. Some people will even say, you know, some of, I mean, uh, I, mean I consider it ridiculous, but some, some of us will say, no, it's not ridiculous. Uh, Pastor, this guy is great. You know, he went good school, good parents, everything, everything, but he has tribal marks. <laughs> Last night I was having dinner with my daughters and we were just, you know, chatting over dinner. And out of the blues, I don't know, maybe they saw something, I don't know. Uh, what, my oldest daughter just said, uh, 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 Dad, uh, um, how do people get travel marks? My younger daughter said, Ah, they were, they're born with them now. They're just born with them. <laughs> and it just shocked me. I was like, eh, In your world, people are born with travel marks. I said, Listen, listen, they're not born with them. So I took my table knife that was into it. See, see this thing? They used to mark them, they mark them. That they mark their face. So both of them were looking at this. They mark them. I said, yes. My younger daughter said, Daddy, are you going to mark us? <laughs> I said, I'm not a wicked man. <laughs> I'm not going to mark you. <laughs> but, but you understand what I'm saying? How do you hold somebody responsible for what was done to them before the age of reckoning? What is just a tradition? And then now you're saying because somebody has a tribal marks, uh, uh, why can't you focus on what is the 80%? Some other times, it's just an issue that is not a major character flaw. If a lady played into my hand one day, say, so, uh, what, what, what's the problem? What, uh, I really like him. I really want to marry him, you know. 
but it's not. So the question was, how did you know? <laughs> Have you been going for weekends? <laughs> Let me not go further on that. It's a bad case. So, you see all kinds of we just speak on something and the devil starts to play on your mind and before you know it, you are walking away from a man of destiny. Guys will come, oh, I like her. She's, she's very good. She's okay. Uh, but she's short. Buy her high heels. <laughs> and just fill the wardrobe with high heels and let her be okay. Praise God. Focus! On what God has given you, put a premium. Value the connections in your life. And God gave them the all of the garden. Everything was good. Only one tree. God said, that's my symbol of submission. That's my supremacy. That's the one I don't want you to touch. And that's the one we always want to touch. Instead of us, even married people, taking the weaknesses of our spouses to God in prayer and say, God, I'm going to trust you all the same. My spouse is not perfect, never going to be perfect. But this area, I want you to help me fix him. I want to, I'm, I'm just going to rest on you. I'm not going to, you know, go into the works of the flesh, nagging and doing all sorts of things to get this man fixed. I'm believing you. Sometimes God leaves some things there so that you can believe him for a change. But we don't want to live like that. That's what is breaking down relationships. Breaking down marriages. Glory be to Jesus. That's what's breaking down. Breaking down relationships. And derailing us from destiny. Many of us are world champion critics. We complain about everything. You have a beautiful woman. A wonderful man provides for you, does everything. But it's just one or two things that doesn't do well. That's what you think about all day. And if you are like me, some of us are wired for that. My wife's a living testimony. The first, I mean, it's, it's a weakness for me. It has a good part and a bad part. The good part is this I'm wired to see what is not working. All right? So if I get into a place, I get into a company, I am. I can literally say that if, if I was working as a consultant, I would be very good. Why? Because I have the ability to spot things. All right? I'm not an accountant, but give me a spreadsheet. Give me a financial statement. I will, I will punch holes in it. The accountant in this church is tired of me. Because you bring a statement, I'll tell you this, no, no, this, this, this. And I didn't study accounting, even though I went to a business school. But if I get into this auditorium, for instance, the pastors know. There will be like at least three things I'll point out to say, oh, that one, that one. I don't know. I just, I'm just wired that way. And some of us are like that. Some of us are not even like that, but you are struggling to become like that, <laughs> especially in your marriage. I almost frustrated my wife. In fact, I frustrated her. Let me not say almost. Because it got to a point where I asking myself, are we supposed to be married? Because there's always one complaint or the other, one thing or one misunderstanding or the other, because I was always seeing what she wasn't doing well. Always one thing or the other. Always one thing or the other. In my book, Seven Commandments of Foolishness, I'm trusting God for grace to preach that message in church very soon. Uh, uh, the Seven Commandments of Foolishness. 
One of the commandments of foolishness is thou shalt criticize continuously. And I recommended in that book, I said, have a criticism-free day. Start with half a day or three hours where you just say, I'm going to watch myself. I'm not going to criticize or complain about anything for the next five hours in this home and everybody will be happy. You will see that something will start to change. Your spouse will be happier. Some of us, we need to carefully press brakes on ourselves because you know that trail of thought is going, is going. You are, you are, as she's going, you are, you are looking at her. She's not even walking well. You know, you're already seeing it. And, that, <laughs> and that's how it progresses to other things, other things, and then sinks your mood. Then you begin to ask yourself, the last day, lady I dated, that's the one I should have married, not this one. Is that not what happens? Ladies will also say, why did I even settle with this guy? And this is marriage of 15 years. They are still asking why I settled with this one. <laughs> and that's, that's how it progresses. Next Sunday, I'm going to be sharing on the things that actually lead to divorce and separation. Huge research has gone on to the end that if you listen to couples just interact for five minutes, based on certain research, you can tell whether they will still be married in five to seven years or not. And I'm going to share a bit about that next Sunday, taking it from that blame game that ensued between Adam and Eve and God, when God showed up and said, what happened here? And Adam was like, the woman you gave me? And then Eve said, the serpent you created? And everything was coming back on God's head. <laughs> Passing the buck, nobody was ready to take responsibility for anything. We're going to look into that next Sunday. But get my point right today. We need to celebrate what we have. Focus on the 80% that is working well. Focus on this man or this woman that loves you. Focus on uh, singles in the house. Don't look at outward appearance only. All right? Some people are in church now. You only greet people who look like the one that can marry you. So you see that, that, that young man with like four mobile phones uh, with a nice blazer and uh, hello. <laughs> Meanwhile, boys have been passing. They have been passing. And you are looking down as if you didn't see them. It's a great leader who can spot potentials out of the rust. And it's the same thing. If you want to fulfill your marital destiny as a single, then you need to develop the ability to live out God's original intention, which is to manage your vital connections well, be a man and a woman of peace, of good relationship, value the people that God is bringing into your life. And be a good friend to everyone. That next person, next desk to you at work, that you struggle to say good morning to, may be the person that God will use to bring your husband or your wife. He himself may not be the person, he may not even look like it. But if you choose not to relate, just simply because the person doesn't look like it, you don't know whether he has a cousin or a brother that will look like it. You know there's some people in closing, when their friends speak to them and say, brother, I'm thinking of settling down. And I'm really praying about it. So join me in prayer. And in their mind, they're thinking, okay, maybe there's somebody I can introduce to this person. And your name just comes, just exit. Say, eh, that one? To Fiapa. 
not for my friend or not for my cousin. That has to stop. That has to stop. Let's leave people with good impression, good memory of ourselves. People should leave us and their mood should go up, not down. Be that kind of person that has good relationship skills that can bless people. When they remember who can execute this project, who can do this thing well, your name comes up because you've left them with good impression. You made them feel good about themselves when you meet them. You're not a cantankerous person arguing, criticizing all the time. Focus on that 80% that God has put in your hand. Lift your right hand with me this morning and just talk to Jesus about everything that may have connected with you in this, this message. Somebody here needs to ask for help to do better in your relationship. Go ahead and do that. Somebody needs to ask for help, for wisdom. Somebody here needs to ask for help, for divine connection, to be at the right place at the right time in this season. There's grace coming upon this church to actualize marital destinies. And you must know how to play your part in it. Somebody here this morning may be in a strained relationship. It's time to ask God for restoration of peace, restoration of joy, restoration of hope. This one will not go the way of the wind. It will survive the turbulence. It will stand the test of time. I see God restoring hope to somebody here this morning concerning your relationship. Somebody talk to God this morning. 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 Somebody here just need to tell God, Lord, I trust you. I choose to trust you. I know it's not perfect, but I choose to trust you. I know it's not perfect around me, but I choose to trust you. You are the God who can do all things. I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to leave this in your hand and trust you to turn it around for my good. I'm not going to allow the devil to trip me off just like he did to to Eve. I'm not going to focus on what I shouldn't touch. I'm going to leave it in your hand until you turn it around for my good because you are the God who can turn everything around for our good. Father, we bless you. Father, we bless you. Lift your two hands with me, ladies and gentlemen. Lord Jesus, I pray your grace over this congregation this morning. Lord, wherever lack a strained love in a relationship, I decree open heavens in the name of Jesus. Anything that has been denied us that will make our lives better and make our home a delightful place, I command in this season, as we step into this last four months of this year, let the heavens open in the name of Jesus. Lord, where sickness has prevailed and it has worked against bliss in a marriage relationship, we break the hold of that sickness. We decree in the name of Jesus that the healing power of God flows into that family. In the name of Jesus, crisis with children. In the name of Jesus, we break the hold of the devil over our children. Wherever crisis with children is, is training a marital relationship for the sake of of the covenant. This morning, Jesus, we ask, heal those children. Turn their lives around. Help us be able to focus on our own relationship. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord, we pray against the curse of barrenness or delay. Wherever barrenness or delay has strained joy and peace in a relationship. I come against barrenness. I break the hold of delay. I decree the last four months of this year, let there be fruitfulness. Let wombs open in the name of the Lord Jesus. Visit our homes, Jesus. Visit our careers. 
Help us to experience your original intention. Lord, if there be anyone here who has been in and out of relationships and struggling to keep one as a single person, I ask, Lord, cause a release of your grace. Let there be an end to in and out. Let somebody step into the fullness of the, the elevation.